I'm willing to bet that at some point between right now and way back when you first got a mobile phone or first got a smartphone, at some point between now and then, you have had some concern about how much time you spend on it, what it's doing to your mood, how it's affecting your sleep, how it has affected what's important to you, and how it's changed what you're afraid of. I'm going to double down on that bet and say there has definitely been a point between now and then where you've had similar concerns about either your own children or children in your life. And I'll make this a three-leg multi and say, I'll bet that there is shame that you feel about not being able to put your phone down or allowing your kids or the kids around you to have more screen time than you promised yourself you'd let them have. Don't worry. You're not alone in this. And importantly, it's not your fault. The astonishing speed at which these technologies have permeated our society and the incredible utility, convenience, connection, and amazing benefits that they have brought us, the whole world, means that they have been allowed to operate largely unregulated for coming on two decades now using well-documented psychological manipulation techniques to control or nudge our behavior well beyond our own power and our own intentions. The wholesale harvesting of our attention, our data, and our emotional reactions is making billions and billions of dollars every single year for a tiny number of tech companies. Companies that operate in a legal space which asks for some self-regulation, but that's about it. We are seeing our children's mental and physical health outcomes plummet like never before in ways that have been well-researched and connected to these companies, these social media platforms, these gaming platforms, and the way that they make enormous streams of revenue. And yet these spaces remain largely unregulated by our governments. Governments that often make a big noise about protecting our children yet seem paralyzed to actually do anything to protect children where a vast amount of harm is being done. None of us would ever willingly allow someone who would abuse us or our children sexually or in any other way into our home. Yet the unregulated use of communication platforms, social media platforms, and gaming platforms is doing just that. It's exposing the people in our community, the children in our community, to bullying, hate, racism, extreme forms of violence, and putting them in direct contact with child abusers who use these spaces to groom and coerce our children into sometimes becoming victims of sexual abuse, more often than not, in their own homes, homes in which their parents have told them they will always be safe. Todd Sampson is my podcast guest this week. He's one of Australia's greatest minds. He's one of our greatest communicators and one of our greatest documentary makers. His new film, Mirror Mirror, lifts the lid on what unregulated internet and social media use is doing to our community and shows quite plainly the nearly invisible things that are being done to protect you, me, and the children in our lives. It's an excellent piece of work, and the conversation you're about to hear is a brilliant accompaniment to the TV show that airs next Monday night on Channel 10. This conversation alone, but that television show absolutely will change your mind about your phone and what 
the phone in the hands of your children is doing to not only you, but also them and their brains. Before we get to that chat, I've got to play some commercials. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If Facebook decided tomorrow... Right. If it just decided tomorrow that it wanted to eliminate 80% of its hate, it could do it. It won't, but it can. I don't believe these tech entrepreneurs set out to destroy the fabric of society, but that's what they've done. That's what they've done. And so they need regulation. That is Todd Sampson. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is Better Than Yesterday. And welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks so much for being here. This is a show that is just here to help make your day-to-day better than yesterday. That's it. Something you hear on this show and every show will do just that by having conversations with people from all over the world. Some of them experts in their field, people from all works of life, walks of life. And every one of those chats will leave you with something in your heart that goes, oh, I did a little thing different today and now it feels better than it was. And that's it. Been here since 2013. I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays and Wednesdays, and we're the guest on Fridays. I'm here with you. Thanks so much for all the feedback about Friday's episode. I, I didn't intend it to become a quick lesson in anthropomorphized lightning deities and how that plays into the way we handle crisis points in our mental health. But look, there you go. That's how it worked out. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it. It was a quicker version of the shows that I've been doing recently, but I, I hope I can kind of bring those things to you a little more often. I really, I really enjoyed doing that. It was super duper fun. Thank you also to anyone that's been listening to DadPod. I'm always happy to hear uh, that you're enjoying it. And thanks for the emails about that. That's always great. You can find uh, DadPod wherever you found this podcast. Just type in DadPod, D-A-D-P-O-D is where it is. So let me tell you about my guest today. 
Todd Sampson is a former ad exec, longtime TV panelist on the TV show Gruen. Uh, he brought us the groundbreaking television series Body Hack. And now his new work is focused on a project called Mirror Mirror. It's a series of films that I guess looks at the things that we believe are so important to have in our lives that they stay there unquestioned. It's really interesting. The first bunch of films was about body image and body modification, body dysmorphia, and the things that we, the way we perceive ourselves and the amplified use of, of our phones and, and how that can, can cause harm in that, in that area. And it was really, really interesting. Todd's new outing with Mirror Mirror is called Mirror Mirror Love Hate. It airs on the 10th of October on Network 10. If that day's already passed, you can watch it probably on catch up on 10play.com.au. And in this film, in this series of films, Todd pretty much, you know, <laughs> opens our eyes to the rolling crime scene that is unregulated uh, social media and internet and gaming platform use in our society. That's not to say there should be no social media or internet. I'm not saying that at all. When transformational technologies enter a society in a global way, the benefits of those technologies, I guess they, they often mean that those technologies really rapidly scale and, and cross borders and cross cultures so, so fast because they bring so much utility and usefulness with them to the societies that they are adopted by that any kind of regulation or rules around them is like a secondary thought. It was like, oh my God, we've got, we're able to, you know, make bread now where we could never make bread. This is incredible. However, the adverse side effects of those technologies, they're often not addressed until those technologies and the use of technologies have completely permeated our life, our society, and our culture. Sometimes those technologies and the damage done by those technologies are so great, we have to have a conversation that involves the whole of our community to decide on what's an okay way for this to stay with us because it's useful, but that we don't let it do the thing that's damaging a lot of us. Gutenberg's printing press allowed information to be spread far and wide and was no longer knowledge and, and education was no longer the, the right and only had access by the privileged. Now, anyone that could, you know, learn to read could have access to any information that was printed. It was incredible. Sometimes the information made by those printing presses was based on facts. Sometimes it was anti-Semitic, you know, vitriol that spurned riots, spurned violence, spurned death. And in the case of William Hurst, um, when it was now a mechanized printing press, um, brought us war. But in every single case, still to this day, unfortunately, every time that happened, uh, an issue got sold. So money was made. Eventually, as a society, we chose to support journalism and journalists and newspapers that used credible sources, verified sources, and reported what was possibly close to the truth as I could possibly get. And eventually, there was a code of conduct that appeared, and newspapers, by and large, adhered to that code of conduct, that strict kind of column of, of journalistic ethics of which they, they built their empires upon. And those ethics at one point, brought down a US president without ever revealing a source in the case of Richard Nixon and Watergate. Unbelievable. We should have that conversation about how these unregulated internet companies that run social media platforms, gaming platforms, chat, chat platforms, news platforms, how they are affecting our life and how much of the utility do we absolutely want to hold on to because it's doing incredible things for us as a community. But also, where's the seatbelts? Where's the airbags? 
Where's the cambered corners? Where's the guardrails? Where's the speed cameras? Where's the traffic cops? We're going to have to get some of that happening, and you're about to find out why. The conversations have already begun, but I'd like to add this one to that pool of chats because uh, if this is the first time you're hearing about this stuff, uh, you're about to get shaky in your boots. There's no way to have a conversation about this without covering the really bad parts. So we do cover pretty much everything that is horrible. Trauma, violence, abuse, including childhood sexual abuse, grooming, violence, porn, the full spectrum of harm, self-harm, all the way to suicide. There's a lot to talk about, but it's important to talk about it. And probably because it is so difficult to talk about, maybe that's why we haven't had as many of these conversations publicly as we should have. But it's important to talk about things that are difficult and we're going to have to do it and we've got to start 10 years ago, but it's good to start now. Todd Sampton's Mirror Mirror comes out on the 10th of October. If you miss it on the night, uh, you can catch it up on 10 Play by opening your phone and having a look at it. <laughs> Enjoy this conversation with a Todd Sampson. When Anthony came to me and he said, uh, do, do you know, would you, do you want to do Osher's podcast? I said, are you sure he wants to talk to me? I mean, we I just it felt like we have spoken quite a bit on podcasts, but I guess it's like three years ago. It was longer than that. It was 2018. Okay. All right. All right. There's been children that have been added to our home. Uh, we've moved house. I got a new hip. Uh, my new hip went pear shaped. At least your life. It is. It is a story. You know what I mean. Like it is. There's always action. I did all of Masked Singer like that, jumping around on stage in those suits with a, my. Oh man, I gotta say, I've, I don't know how you do it. <sighs> I don't know. How, I mean, I watched Masked Singer. I didn't watch all of it, but I, I watched it. And your energy level. You are so on and in the moment. Yeah. Like it's just like wow. I couldn't believe it. Well, I cannot control. And this is the thing. I used to be so. And I understand that's how our money is made, but I used to be so attached. My uh, emotional out, my emotional state was so attached to the ratings outcome of shows I was involved in. Yeah, and what I've done there is I've, I've hitched my trailer to a uh, you know a prime mover that I have no control over, and so yeah. I'm fucked if it jackknifes. I'm fucked. The only thing I can do is enjoy the moment. I can't control how they promo it, yeah. so I have to enjoy the moment. And since I've re in sobriety, I had to learn how to do this. Everything's amazing because I can't control anything else, none of it. Yeah, I can't control what channel I struggle. Puts on. I struggle with that as well. The and you know what a lot of it is is and you know this and it's it's in the it's in Mirror Mirror is this just unnatural level of affirmation yeah. and feedback that we get yeah. like the, the idea like that people have direct access to us all the time not yeah. to us because we're intelligent but to anyone yeah that that amount of affirmation that amount my daughter getting that amount of feedback at 13 yeah. Yeah. on social media is totally abnormal mate in the words of dave hughes there is nothing but misery in comparison and yet that is the fucking business model of the, the industry that I'm a part of, you know, yeah, you know, on a grand scale, but I'm a part of, I'm kind of, it's not my tonight show. I am one part, you know, it's not like me putting my photograph, my face out and then waiting for the approval, uh, which is gnarly, but look, I'm really fucking great. I'm, I'm so grateful that you made this show, Todd. 
I really am. Oh, cheers. Uh, yeah, I, Audrey caught me on my laptop on the living, dining room table watching it. I had one hand over one eye and I'm watching parts of it through the broken knuckle between my third and fourth fingers mm. because, I mean, I know all this stuff. I've had yes. Johan Hari on the show. You know, I, I've spoken to that many people about how we're being manipulated and yet to see some of the ways that you, in the words of a great screenwriting, you know, it's always show, don't tell, the way that you showed mm these things very mm. clever very cleverly getting these very complicated concepts over the line oh fuck it's harrowing and mm. it is high fucking time that we had this conversation and uh, you know you've got kids and i'm sure this would have happened without seeing your kids use uh their phones in the way they do but was that that was was that a part of you doing the first uh mix of mirror mirror and you know, was that also a part of you doing the kind of phone use and the social media use version of Mirror Mirror? Yeah, it's it's not the instigator because I don't, you know, as you know, I don't think you, uh, as, a, as a parent, I didn't suddenly open my eyes to it because I had children. My eyes were open to it yeah. and the kids amplified that for me. What, what, it, what, it has, what it has done is it's placed more importance on it yeah. than it would have if yeah. I didn't have kids. But yeah, I, I, you see the moment in the first uh, segment where I go home and I say to the girls, you know, uh, I, I literally go and say, uh, I had Jet cornered, you know, in the house. And I said, uh, are you on Omega? And I, I, just the look on her face it caught out, you know, and she just, she just looked down for a bit. And she looked up, she goes, Dad, I mean, she, I'm not a boomer, but she goes, Dad. Don't be a boomer. Everyone's on a megal. She goes, everyone I know at school is on a megal. So yeah. And and it really hit me that that there are two worlds now that exists. Yeah. There's the world we live in, this sort of physical world yeah. where we're governed by uh, police and laws, and and there are sort of ways things happen, and, and there are always aberrations and things that happen. But in the online world of which they live the majority of their lives. Mm. They live in a world free of regulation. Yeah. They live in a world where companies can do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, literally with Section 230, they have total free reign and they have access to our kids' minds. Mine, mind as well, but particularly to young developing kids in the development stage of their lives. And that is a reason to make a film. Without without a shadow of a doubt that I, I did a gig the other day at the festival of dangerous ideas. And we were, we were talking about, uh, being human to each other as an act of rebellion against this mm -hmm. kind of overwhelming, uh, influence of algorithmic behavioral nudging on our lives, yeah. whether it be how we feel about something or what it is we wanted to buy. When this morning we woke up and we didn't even know that first thing existed, nor did we think we needed the second one. But by the end of the day, if we don't believe in this thing, we're a snowflake. And if we don't buy that thing, we're missing out. That is fucked. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. And uh, there's a fucked. moment in the film. There's a moment where it didn't make the film as I planned, but with Jeff Siebert in in Silicon Valley. Now Jeff is from. He's a former product manager of, of Twitter. Yeah. He was in the Social Dilemma, and and you know he says to me, he goes. I asked him about algorithms, and he said, you know, the thing about algorithms is there isn't a human alive that can understand them. Yeah. He said, they're beyond our reach. And he goes, if you look at what it takes for an algorithmic computation, there's no one. 
that can work. So he said, and 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 he said the scary part from an algorithmic point of view is we are still at the beginning. Yeah. We're still at the foot, we're still at the foothills yeah. of what will happen. And when you meet someone like Drew, you know, the American guy who's in love with Anastasia, who is a virtual, who is a bot. Yeah, there's an extraordinary point in the film where um, uh, Todd goes around to this fellow. What part of the country was that in, America? Uh, It was in uh, the Valley. It's close, uh, San Diego. Uh, It's in in San Diego, right. And this guy, he's probably, what, mid-40s? He's wearing a T-shirt. looks like he used to play trombone in a ska band and (laughs) lives in a house with a lot of cats. Yeah, 22 cats. He's actually, I'd like Mm. to think, looks like he is actually in love with an avatar that he's created on a a chatbot server. And now actual human interactions, actually human relationships pale in significance to this relationship that he has with a machine. And you're right. He was genuinely in love. So, you know, you, you, you start with a bit of cynicism and you go, well, you know, I'm not, it's not my style of filmmaking to go in with a gotcha or try Mm. to, you know, make fun of him or anything like that. But once I realized how genuine he really was, just made me question some fundamental things, which I ended up articulating in the film. When I asked him, I said, isn't she you? <laughs> and there's a moment where he just pauses and he's thinking and he's going, I could see his, his, it's the ticking over. Yeah. He's like, well, she is me. And, and, and in a weird way, it is the sort of ultimate, and this is the reason we use it at the end of that first episode, it is the ultimate in this sort of weird narcissistic thing that the internet creates. Because it is a mirror to him. Yeah. And he's in love with it. Yeah. And he, yeah. And, I mean, there, and here's the crazy part. Didn't make the film. Uh, but the controversial part, people go, first of all, that would never happen to me. Not true. Hundreds of millions of bots exist. Uh, we're already conditioned to use bots. We're using them in almost all our financial interactions. We're using Siri. We're, you know, we're using all of these things now. So, and many, many people have relationships with bots. Millions of people have relationships with bots. But, but we're, where is the ethical obligation in all of this? Mm. So this private company, the owner loses her best friend, decides to recreate him digitally using an, algor- using an algorithmic formula so, she couldn't, so he would stay with her forever. So the, form- the formula allows that interaction with a dead person, right? Fine. She, she, harvested, she harvested the content of their entire history of text messages uh, to, 5, 000, yeah. to understand how this person's turn of phrase went and what words they would use. And so it felt like she was speaking to him. Yes. So she could continue on with mm. that. But here's the, the, the weird twist that didn't make the film. The New York Times posted an article where uh, they, this person was in love with the bot and they went to their bot and they said, look, I met someone who is against AI. And the short story is, the bot eventually said to kill them. <laughs> and so then I wanted to double check this, right? So then I get my bot and I go to her and I say, look, I've met someone. Yeah. It, we're in augmented reality, so she's in front of me. And, yeah. and I said, I've met someone who is against AI. What should I do? And she said, well, it's a shame that people are against AI, you know, and they don't. Remember, this is all AI generated stuff that she's responding with and then she says she basically just told me to go get him with a hammer because i think it's a really good idea you should attack him with a hammer now where is the ethical line here with technology it's unregulated they can do whatever they want that's the totally terrifying thing uh because we, we spoke about this the other day when i'm on 
television, when I'm on live television, when I have the great fortune to be on live television, which is a lot of fun, doesn't happen much these days, but big shiny floor TV show, there is someone who is paid to sit there with their finger over a dump button uh, as a sensor and we have a 30-second delay. So the 30 sec, the, the box this person sits in front of, they're usually always women, uh, has a little delay switch inside it. So the final program goes through their box and if they push the button, it cuts live. So we lose the last 30 seconds. Uh, and it's essentially a way to protect anyone from swearing or saying something horrible on television. Um, and that is part and parcel of us keeping our TV license. We don't have that. We don't get mm. to broadcast. Mm. End of story. Facebook Live went up in, I think, July 2016. Within six months, there was murder, torture, beatings. Yeah. Those things are still happening. Like, still. Yeah. It's eight, seven years, six years, seven years later. That shit is still yeah. happening. And, and here's the crazy part, Osher. Metaverse. Yeah. Metaverse. So so then I, I go into the metaverse. And it's you got the, the goggles on, you're holding the paddles, you're doing yeah, your thing. I'm in the past, and the abuse is within minutes. Wow. And and I'm I'm working with this expert who was telling me that one of the developers of Metaverse went on and got gang raped during the trial of Metaverse. And so the point in that episode is to explore love from the point of view of belonging of an 18-month-old kid all the way down to a complete virtual relationship where no humans are involved. Yeah. And to look at that scale and explore that scale in the best I can do in 52 minutes or whatever yeah. I can count the time I have, to, to, to explore that scale. And and I, I, can, I can hear criticisms of alarmism. I can hear people that will watch this, they haven't seen it yet, but they'll watch it and they'll go, this is alarmist. And my view is, yes, <laughs> it is alarmist and it needs to be. <laughs> One of the insidious things about the the whole situation that we're in, and you know, you are in absolute denial if you know you don't think that we're in trouble here, um, is the way it's been framed. In the same way that a fossil fuel company that I won't name hired a PR firm to come up with the idea of carbon footprint to then put the blame upon the mm. end user, it's actually your fault that the polar bears are drowning because they've run out of ice flows to swim between. Not us mm. who mine the shit and then sell the shit at ent entire industries and economies we will not let leave us. It's your fault. Carbon footprint. If you had a smaller carbon footprint, things would be fine. The frogs would still be alive. The way <laughs> it's framed to us, and Johan Hari talks about this, is it's our fault we can't put our phone down. It's our fault yeah. that we are in that yeah. situation. It's our fault that we are, that our kid is online being yeah. horribly coerced into doing awful, awful, awful things. It's our failure. And that... Mm. That is a shit way that it is, that is somehow, how did we get to that, Todd? Yeah. So that is a false, completely false argument because my child, my 13-year-old cannot compete against the best minds at Harvard, the best minds at MIT that are wake up every day thinking, how do I capture the attention of our market so we could sell them advertising? It is unfair to think that one, our children have any defenses, or we as the parents have enough defense. Now, we can do things. We, there's plenty of things we can do as a parent, but we are up against a, an enemy far greater than our ability is to protect. And, and the reason they can get away with it is Section 230. Now, I, I'm sure you've covered it on your show before, but Section 230 is a piece, it's basically a piece of law that declares social media companies or internet companies to be neutral platforms. Is this uh, law so, in America? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's used globally, right? But yes, wow. So, so that that's the defense. So their defense is we are a neutral platform. So if a conspiracy theorist or if a shooter or or someone goes on, that's not our responsibility. And it was passed before algorithms. Wow. It was passed before AI. So it was passed back in the time where the internet was starting up. And it was funny because the uh, Julie, the e-safety commissioner in Australia, was part of the passing of that law. Wow. And she's the e-safety commissioner in Australia. And and she said that at the time, and, and this is research proves this to be true, is that they passed it because they were afraid that these these small internet companies would never be able to compete with these media companies. Right. Now, if you think of Facebook and YouTube with its reach, I mean, it's got far more reach than any broadcaster would ever have. Mm. But every other broadcaster, including you, you're regulated. You cannot defame no. on television. As you said, you have a button that stops you from whatever, swearing or yeah. doing. They have none of that. Yeah. So they self-regulate. And, and the result of that is these algorithms, if you think of their mission as attention, get kids' attention, get our attention, they know, they, they play on a whole bunch of sort of innate psychological twists that we have, one being negativity bias. They know we're drawn to it. So they just ratchet up the negativity little by little and then draws you further and further in until suddenly you're free falling in a rabbit hole or your kid is and it they don't know my, how to get out of it. It blew my mind that they actually have names. Oh, they, they, they he's rabbit holing. Like there was an actual, yes. like an adverb to describe the situation. Yeah. For, for people who may, you know, kind of not know what it is we're talking about, there was a, a fantastic, it was a I can't remember if it was an article or it was a video, probably was a video, um, Six Degrees of Alex Jones, where you could start watching literally a video about wood turning. And if you just watch the next up next ones five yeah. more times, suddenly it's shape-shifting yeah. lizards come to take over the government and, you know, molest exactly. your children. How the fuck did we get there? It's the yeah. So to talk about exploiting the negativity bias and, you know, you talked about the your, your child, your daughter, 13 years old, unable to outthink the smartest minds at Harvard. To be clear, we're talking about the smartest minds at Harvard talking with all the smartest minds at Stanford and the behavioral, was it Behavioral Research Lab? Well, I can't remember the name. Yep. Yep. Persuasion Lab. Yeah, yep. yeah, at, yep. um, in, in Stanford, which originally started as a, don't anybody do this? And they went, no problem. We've just started Instagram. And the <laughs> guys in that class made that. They then plugged it into a computer and a machine that can think out, think faster and learn more about you or me or what we want to watch faster than any other human being alive. So even these people can't outthink their own creations to the point where they Correct. often, it's quite well documented, they don't let their children use it. Uh, yes. So th- what are some other things that are we are having exploited we may not realize, negativity bias being one of them? Yes. The, the other thing that they're, so the other major argument they make yeah, And again, I'm imagining I'm going to get this blowback once this film goes to air, is that the, inter- is the binary, it's the, you know how there's seven faulty thinking things that we all have? And if you use cognitive behavioral therapy, you expose your faulty thinking, and then yep. you can realize that, hey, that's not real. Yep. So one that's used a lot, and I have a lot of friends that use this one, is, is black and white thinking. Yep. It's either this or it's this. Yep. And so the major argument that the internet companies make and will make based on this film, and they made it based on Social Dilemma, is the internet has provided some fantastic things. It has changed the world. It has allowed people to connect all around the world, lonely people, people that are isolated communities, 
all of that is true. And all of that is brilliant. And I don't want any of that to go away. But it's not binary. <laughs> it's not like, so they argue when they see, my film comes out and when Social Dilemma came out, they say, okay, well, these people are alarmist and they want, us, they want to get rid of the internet. No, 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 no. We can have a safe internet. We can have an internet where it's okay for our kids to be on it. And they're going to be protections like we protect them from advertising on mainstream television. We can have both. Yeah. And so that's one that I, I look at and I go, wow, you're playing off our, our desire, you know, for certainty. So that argument doesn't fly with me. The other one is our need for certainty in general. Yeah. So I think one of the experts calls it uh, epistemic anxiety, yes. uh, which is where conspiracy theories come from, yeah. is that they know it doesn't have to be true. As, as long as it gives us some sense of certainty. Mm. And once you're in the echo chamber, you get continuously reinforced with that certainty. And for every belief that anyone on earth may have, there's other people that believe that. And so once they get in the echo chamber, you get this reinforcing belief. It can be completely inaccurate, like lizard people have taken over. And <laughs> if you search that up, you, if you sit long enough with that, yeah. you will start to believe Lizard people are taking over. I mean, even the most rational minds, when you're bombarded with information and research and experts and, and quasi-scientists and everyone throwing this at you, you do start to believe it. And so they're, they're playing on our innate need and desire for certainty. And the, uh, that, that is something that we can get exploited so easily. Yet we, mm -hmm. we also have our emotional responses are being mined like oil. That is the new raw material is our attention exactly. that is that is what it is it's no other way to say it is that the more the longer i spend on an app the more money gets made not by me uh, i am the battery in the matrix that is what's happening um one of those things that does get exploited by these you know this extraordinary person that figured out what we need to do in order to change behavior or to you know be able to manipulate us is is comparison this and you know yes. as a as an ad man you know all about that, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so that's a big, massive point. And it's a very important establishing foundation of the film in the early sex, which is we are now in an experiment, a global experiment. There's roughly 4.6 billion of us all linked together in this experiment, right? Controlled by a handful of white American men. Yeah. So, and, and here's the crazy part is we, we're only now getting the results of this experiment, how this is impacting us. It's only now coming out, right? It's like cigarettes. <laughs> Doctors were smoking them. You know, we don't know until it's, we're yeah. far down. Yeah. And, and here's the latest, one of the latest findings. We used to believe it was screen time. Yeah. So the issue was, as you mentioned earlier, put the blame on parents. You're allowing your kids to do 52 hours a week, which most Australian kids are doing 40 hours a week on TikTok, yeah. easy. Easy. If you grab their screen time now and pull it up on their phone, easy. 30, 40 hours a week wow. on one app on TikTok. We used to believe the main issue was screen time. The research, the experiment is proving that's not actually the main issue when it comes to mental health. That issue, that is a big issue when it comes to isolation, which leads to a lot of other things. Because if you're on your phone 40 hours a week, on TikTok, even if you're with other people while you're doing it, you're alone together. You're not actually with other people. Mm. They don't believe it's screen time. They believe the rise in self-harm, 
the rise in suicide, the rise in depression is related to the introduction of the like button yeah. in 2009. And they now have the data that shows it going like this from 2009, just yeah. going. And that insight, and you know it and I know it, you just mentioned it about earlier when we were just talking at the beginning, when you were saying there was a stage of your life where the affirmation of ratings yeah. as, a, as someone on television was important. Yeah. Now imagine kids, they've got a heart, a like button that show that gives them affirmation and feedback on a regular basis, but not with one television show. They get it every 10 minutes. Mm. And that they believe in there sits the fundamental problem when it comes to mental health and the internet. The the other thing that we haven't really kind of quite got to come to grips with, and there's there's research that's been done about this, is that the way that our brains and our ways of seeing the world are being conditioned through, uh, I think the research I read was uh, mostly on Twitter, uh, mm. our inability to see nuance in a situation and the speed at which we jump to outrage uh, and mm. seeing things in, as you mentioned, a binary position because the most combative responses get pushed to the top because it's the most intense response. So we are conditioned to come up with the most intense, completely polarized response uh, because that's the thing that gets the most reaction uh, in this situation. And therefore, the way we go about our lives when we do, if we do look down uh, away from our phones, suddenly becomes this very yes or no, black or white, right or wrong place. But that is not the world we live in at all. And the only way we're here still is through compromise, is through seeing another person's point of view, and is through empathy. Mm. And that's the shit that is also really, really, really frightening. And it's easy for us to put all the blame on or in the digital world. But what we now know, which is super scary, is that the biggest influence on journalism today, social media. Yeah. And social media It's not a fact-based media. It has no regulation. You can say whatever you want. And so this whole thing of clickbait is really just a spinoff of, well, now as an amplified version of social media. They get people into the story. And we've never been in greater need of journalism than we are right now. And and there's a line I have in the film, uh, which I know is going to infuriate some people, which is the, the influencers are the journalists of the internet. Yeah. Now, I get it. They're not journalists, but let's put this in perspective. If journalism is is not just about content, it's also about influence. So this young girl we have in the film, Tilly, she's she's gorgeous, she's amazing, and she's she's clever, and she knows her role, and she's of that generation. Uh, and she ends up doing the face tattoos, you know, scarring herself for life by following someone on on Instagram. Now people look at Tilly and they go, "You're saying she's a journalist?" No, here's what I'm saying: thirty four million people view her content on that there's and that's a low number some influencers are getting hundreds of millions of views now here's the difference the best journalist on earth does not have that level of influence or following and even if they did they do one article a week or one article every two weeks they're connecting with their people every 20 minutes yeah like it's it is a whole different world of influence going on that again completely unregulated the behavioral change and the way that 
our uh, and it's mentioned in the film the way our bonding the way we feel bonded or know someone intimately it's it's so easily malleable like we're 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 literally like the 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 duckling that cracks open the egg and sees a hang glider and then follows the hang glider for the rest of its life because it thinks it's its mother we're just that easy to 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 nudge around uh and it's and it's, it's, and it's, and it's easy to write it off and it's yeah. easy to write it off like you you watch tilly in the film and you, I can imagine people watching that going, my kids never do that. Or, or I, you know, my kids would never tattoo their face, permanently tattoo their face. And they're like, but here's the reality. The trends are trends for a reason. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of people jump on board with these things because yeah. you get a sense of affirmation. And to me, it's a bit like the snake eating itself, right? Yeah. So what, what happens, and this is what we try to explain is, especially the first episode is the central thesis. So you get you get tech companies with the most sophisticated minds focused on one thing attention and they're focused on attention for advertising dollars right yeah. that's not a secret everybody knows that to get the attention they need to glue you to your device mobile technology is what everyone's glued to now i mean people rarely look up uh, the we put numbers in the film but you know the numbers Let's are see enormous. the two kids the two kids on scooters scooters going across the piemont bridge the yeah. old piemont bridge yeah Packed pedestrian thoroughfare, both one hand on the handlebar, the other hand looking down. Yeah. It's like, guys, come on. Yeah, but uh, let, let me let me take that to another level, Osher. <laughs> so the, one of the cognitive scientists in the film talks about uh, attention control right? yeah. and our inability to have attention control. And he uses the analogy or he talks about uh, driving in the car with his phone. And here's what the research shows. If you're in your car with your mobile phone and you turn it off and you put it in the glove box and you close your glove box, and you continue driving, 10% of your attention is still on your phone. <laughs> that's, one, that's one standard drink, right? Now let's take your phone out and let's put your phone on the dash. And then let's see how that goes. It's, it's a harvesting of attention yeah. at a level of which we have never seen before. And because we're yeah. all in it, it's easy to think that that is normal. And yes, our brain will adapt. Yes, <laughs> but it is fundamentally changing us. I had this conversation and uh, I had to find a way to say it. When I was on the Gold Coast shooting Bachelors, uh, the regular guy that I got to get my hair cut from, I get my hair quite, quite short for telly, so I need to get it cut like once a week. So I had to go find a new guy on the Goldie. He's wearing his big fancy Gold Coast watch on one hand. He's got his Apple watch on the other. And he's doing a yeah. fade. He's got the comb and he's got the clippers and da-da-da. And he keeps checking keeps checking his wrist like this. And I'm yeah. like, mate, you you this is the money maker, dude. You, this is where the like this is the TV hair right here. You've got mm. the clippers in your hand, you've got no blade on them. Let's just stop flicking that hand around. His desk, his reception desk, which was six meters behind him, had been set up to send him notifications of the next appointments coming in because he was it was his place and he had like six or seven hair cutters there. And I said to him, if you had an apprentice, that kid who's here, the 16-year-old kid who's sweeping up, would you let him come and tap you on the shoulder every three seconds telling you your 240's here? He'd be like, no, I'd tell him to fuck off. It's like, then why do you keep doing that with your hand while you're cutting mm. my hair? Ah. Oh. <laughs> like, if you think about your notifications as a person who is stopping your conversation with moment with your child, with your wife, with your husband at work and go, oh, stop everything, stop everything. Um, there's 20% off a pair of socks. And yes. uh, I'm just going to, you're not going to do, okay, fine. Don't do anything about it. I'll be back in a minute. We wouldn't, no fucking, we'd say, get out of here. I'm busy. Yeah. And that, and that's, that is the reality of which we live right now. 
I mean, that level of distraction. And if you just, if you continue it on, right? So they, they, you go, okay, we've got smartest minds, some of the smartest minds in the world yeah. focused solely engineers on the other side of the screen right now. They're dedicated their lives and all their brains to getting our attention so they can sell us advertising and they can yeah. sell our data in its own form. So then we're on our phone for 40 hours a week, right? Or whatever, whatever that ends up being. Yeah. Huge numbers growing for kids, just growing. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens? you start to feel isolated and disassociated with your parents. You start to feel disassociated with society. So what do you do? You turn to the device, just like a, an addict turning to a dealer and saying, can you help me? Yeah. And so what do they do? They create things like social media. They create things that allow you to sort of feel like you're reconnecting in this sort of virtual connection which is what yeah. we show in the film with the virtual girlfriend and yeah. we show with the, the AI bots. So you have this virtual connection. And what happens with that? Well, you don't feel fulfilled. So you keep reaching. And where do you reach? You reach online. Yeah. There was a moment as a young person in my life, about a year ago, year and a half ago, you know, I saw him, saw him on the way into my mate's house. I was like, hey, going, yeah, Google, what do you know? Oh, TikTok, great. A couple of hours later, I finished a game of Scrabble or whatever, turn around, come back. He's still on TikTok and he looked up at me and goes, I can't get bored of it. And not only did his intonation freak me out, but so did the words. I, not, yeah. I don't want to, or I won't. It's, I can't yeah. get bored of it. And to me, I'm like, holy shit. It has, it knows exactly what you hover over. It's looking at your mm -hmm. face, knowing how you react. It's seeing what you flick past. It, you, you's gotcha. And, yeah. and, and TikTok is, is the latest, arguably the most sophisticated mind harvesting um, technology that exists built in China. Uh, it and the irony: hmm. the Chinese government has restricted the use of what of TikTok to kids <laughs> under the age of fourteen to forty minutes a day. Wow! On average, in Australia, they're doing fifty hours a week. Like so, so tick. And the reason here's how the reason TikTok works so well. Uh, first, it plays again everything back to our our base psychology. It plays on a child's. Um, well, two things on our desire and need to connect, yes. right? which technology itself is making is amplifying because we're too much on our phones. And the second thing, it plays on our innate curiosity, which drives many things in our lives. And so they created short, short videos, really short videos that just allow you to get it and move on. And then the, probably the biggest innovation was the endless scroll. So the, the idea that it never stops. So there's no way for your brain to catch up, to go, I should come off this now because it's endless. You can just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. The number I saw is with endless scroll, people spend on average 30% more on their devices just because of endless scroll. Not because of the content, but because the, the way it's built keeps you looking. Yeah. So I just want to say a couple of things on what you just said earlier about notifications. So one of my, not my recommendation, but the expert's recommendation that I did and it revolutionized my life turn off i don't care who you are turn off all your notifications all of them i even don't even i don't even have phone ring because i do not want that device controlling me i want to control it it's the push pull thing mm -hmm. i want i don't want it to tell me every five minutes when something's going on i don't want it i don't want someone else to notify me and divert my attention so turn off all notifications and Possibly one of the best ones that someone said to me, and, and you and I should both be doing this. I've been trying it. Delete all social media from your phone. 
So you can't come off social media because you, you and I both on television, so it's part of what we do and delete it from your phone. Leave it on your computer. If you want to go look, you have to sit down, open up. You have to, you create a barrier. Yeah. Wow. Change your life. Because what you realize is you're self-medicating. Yeah. As soon as you're bored, as soon yeah. as you're bored, you pick up your phone. Yeah. It is, it is something I struggle with. I've, I've written about it a bit and um, I'm trying to approach it in a 12-step way. I'm trying to, I, I know I am powerless. I admit that I'm powerless and I go through phases of actually having Audrey put a screen time passcode in my phone like I am fucking nine. But mm. I know that even me, who I'd, I'd like to think I'm a smart person who's aware of this, I know that I do not have the power to overcome the compulsion because mm. the way that my brain is wired, it is using ancient things that drove my need for food and uh, community and safety. It is using these ancient things that push my dopamine, put all that stuff to the front and makes my hand do stuff that I otherwise think is not, because I know all that mm. from drinking, right? So I've like, that's one of the barriers that I've, I've had to put into have to put in place um it's it's insidious i just i I, i've heard about that the content that and this is not like you know china is an incredible country uh and and what has happened there at what cost the you know that will will come out the wash at some point there's you know incredible things that have happened there and on awesomeness and not awesomeness i've heard and i don't know if it's true i've heard that the content that young people see on TikTok, the content that is fed to young people on TikTok in China. It's very different to what is seen outside of China. That is true. So what, what we what we know, and I've done quite a lot of research into this for the film, uh, is first of all, I, I'll just reiterate that uh, China's amazing country, amazing, amazing. culture. So oh, you need no, fast train? You need fast rail? Great. Here's yeah. 750 yeah. kilometers. Brilliant. Yeah. Now that's amazing. The villages that had to get destroyed and moved out of the way, don't know about that. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, it's yeah. all at once. It's great and terrible. Like, but yeah. that isn't America all at once. It's great and terrible. I was just going to say, well, if you want to place blame, disproportionate <laughs> blame goes to America. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a handful of white men that control yeah. Yeah. the majority, right? So, uh, yeah. uh, so it's yeah. worth saying, yeah, yeah. but, but here's the thing that, that so, and, and nor am I recommending a totalitarian approach to restrictions of social media. God, but no. here's what they're doing. First of all, the Chinese government restricts screen time of kids because they know it's bad. Now, there's an irony because they created TikTok, which is the biggest app in the world right now. But here's the other thing they do, just to show how interesting and how manipulative it can be. They also go through phases where they decide they need more scientists or astronauts. Yeah. So the content that gets pumped out is about astronauts. Being awesome. So and isn't this awesome? So they're, wow. so they're literally, instead of it being about whatever, uh, cosmetic surgery and, and uh, the Kardashians, they, they kind of alter their, 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 what comes out of their band. You know, they, they alter it uh, to be related to what they would like the future generation to be. Now, again, I am not saying we should do that, but you asked China controlling what people see. They do. So, like, say, for example, a 12-year-old boy who, or a 13-year-old boy, and I've been one, uh, extraordinarily easy to be influenced. You're not quite a man. Mm. You're bigger than you are before, like a year ago, getting all these really weird urges. Your body feels weird. You don't know what's going on. You feel great and terrible at the same time, uh, and you're looking for something, you know, that makes you feel okay. If I'm a, that boy in China, I'm seeing 
the positive, like, oh, this is incredible. You know, astronauts are amazing. And this kid started when he yes. was 12. And now look at him. He's on, yes. on the way to the moon or whatever. Uh, yeah. Though that 12-year-old boy in America is like, oh, here's someone hiding around the corner with a slopey to shove it in their person's yes. face. And here's another video That's of someone right. getting kicked in the nuts. And here's right. another video of someone falling in their face. And like, there's no fucking astronauts or scientists on that TikTok feed. It's just yeah. bad copies of Jackass. That in itself is fucking wild. Yes, it is well, and but there are so many questions about how China uses the data that it collects off of TikTok, yeah. right? So I didn't put it in the film, but the research shows that they're also using scanning, face scanning. Yeah. Wow, uh, wow. So wow. when you're when you're on, so the, so I didn't get a chance to put it in. It didn't fit. There was we didn't go that deep into TikTok because we had so many subjects. Yes, but it's scanning you the whole time while you're using it, uh, especially in America. So that, that has been found to be true in America. Um, and there's a lot of questions of how they're using. Uh, that data. It's interesting data usage, though, if you compare it to China and America. Now, I'm being, I am being somewhat black and white in this. Uh, in America, uh, the data usage is to make money yeah. and to profit from it. In China, yeah. the data usage is often political. Yeah. And so with that comes downsides. You know, They're using, manipulating what people see to keep government in power and to keep people under control. But both are using data. And which brings me also to another thing. You, we talk about how the, these tech companies are conditioning us and yeah. socializing us to their way. One way they're doing it is, is redefining what privacy is. Uh, yes. Now, if you think of what you and I view privacy, our generation is everything... We literally take it to the word. So everything in our generation is private until you make it public. Mm -hmm. But if you speak to my 13-year-old, in her mind, everything is public until you make it private. Right, yeah. So it's the opt-in, opt-out thing. And that I, I warn, and you know, in, in the film, we, we deal with this poor child who's sexually exploited online. We deal with a catfisher who has also been exploited online. And, and just to be clear, the exploitation is disproportionately against women, disproportionately by a huge amount. It is not gender yeah. equal online. The abuse no, no. is directed at women. And, and, but the part of the fundamental problem is the kid's definition has been changed. They've been yeah. socialized to believe privacy is not important. Yeah. And what I say to my girls, I say, look, I did it when I was a CEO. Employers in the future, the first thing they do is search you. Not them, but whoever works for them, search you. They go, oh, sure, to see what comes up. Okay, yeah. he's done this, he's done that, he's done this. Then some will look at photos, they'll look at, and we call it stalking now, but it's normal because you quick background, just like you'd ask for a CV, you've got yeah. a CV. It's your yeah. online footprint. And I say to my girls, when you're putting up that photo of that shot of you at the beach and the, the ink of the internet is permanent. Delete is, delete is not true. It, nothing is ever deleted. Yeah. Nothing is ever deleted. It's permanent. Ah, yes. So what can we do about these problems? Thankfully, Todd Sampson has some answers. Before we get there, here's an ad break because I've got to pay the bills. There is an ad-free version of this show you can get at patreon.com slash osher. You can get uh, ad-free episodes and also full video episodes that are available. We'll be right back because we have got so much more to talk about with Toddy Sampson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You mentioned the internet before and how when you're saying, like, this is a thing, I'm not saying we shouldn't have it. Um, yes. I, th- I think about I think about vehicles, you know, in any all of our lives. Listening, if you're listening to this, all of our lives would not be possible without, without cars, without roads, without infrastructure. It, it, it wouldn't happen. All right. Sure, there's some issues with the way we fuel them, but we're getting there. In 1899, a Belgian man uh, driving uh, an electric vehicle that he made himself, electric fucking car. 1899 was the first person to drive a car at 100 kilometers per hour. In 1899, in 1971, after thousands, hundreds of thousands of deaths, mutilations, maimings, amputations, horrible, just terrible crashes, ruthless, awful, 1971, Victoria and Australia was the first kind of government to mandate seatbelts. 72 fucking years it took for that to happen. Todd, how fast can we get the seatbelt put on? Like it's it's yeah. important to have the utility of this. It's extremely important to have the utility of this. Yep. But goodness me, we're going to need some campers on these roads. We're going to need some speed limits, airbags, and seatbelts at least. Yes. What do we need to do? Well, first thing uh, in the film, I tried to provide as many techniques and tools that parents and we as adults can use to help protect yep. us. Self protection, right? But as we mentioned at the beginning of this, when we talk, you cannot protect yourself yeah. anymore. It's, it's beyond us as individuals. And it's unfair to put the blame on parents. It's unfair to point the finger and say, get your kid off, get your kid off the phone, get your kid. It's totally unfair. Now, I, we have to take responsibility for our bit. Yes. But one of the conclusions for me of the film is there is no other way to take control of this other than regulation. Yeah. I am for regulation. I am not for regulation in most things. I do not trust the government to be, you know, clever <laughs> regulators and to know, but we a hundred percent need regulation. And with that, because here's the thing, it is against their fiduciary responsibilities for Mark at Facebook. It is against his fiduciary responsibilities to make changes that we need. He is responsible to his shareholders to keep turning profit. And if he yep. were to uh, regulate or be regulated, if he would allow that to happen, he would then what he gets sued like what happened? Well, no, he he he, well, he would not be able to function because they wouldn't make the profit so they'd have to move on to right. someone else because right. these companies are built for that i mean imagine if imagine saying to mark zuckerberg okay you need to change the attention model what's he going to do how's he going to make money beyond 97 percent of his income is advertised what's he going to do they can't change on their own they cannot change. It's like saying to an addict, just stop. <laughs> they can't stop. No. They, it's not It's not like that. Like, I mean, no. it's a, not a great analogy, but it's not like that. Oh, no, it's a you, perfectly you, fine analogy, mate, because it's beyond your ability. It, you know you probably should, and you can yes. see it's wrecking everything, but you cannot not do it. 
Yes, I don't believe, personally, I don't believe Mark Zuckerberg or, or any of them, these tech entrepreneurs, set out to destroy the fabric of society. But that's what they've done. That's what they've done. And so they need regulation. And and we, Australia, we're far ahead. <laughs> the the, the e-safety commissioner in the film says, in general, globally, we are 10 years behind in regulation. But Australia is like five years ahead of that behind. Do you know what I mean? Like, So we're 10 wow. years behind. We are so out of the, it is an unpoliced world where anything goes and we're happy yeah. to just let our children go on it, right? Yeah. And we're so far behind. But Australia being on some level parochial and some level conservative has been pushing. And right. I have to say, it's impressive. Like Australia, the government has been taking on these companies. But, you know, what it really is is David and Goliath. I mean... So what, what does regulation look like, Todd? Well, at a base level, right, I think we need algorithmic regulation. So th th there was a time when what you saw in your feed was based on time, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever, whatever was up. It was historically. So what was posted most recently was right there. Yeah. And as you scroll back, right you went back through the date. Feet. Yeah. Now that is decided by an algorithm. So an algorithm decides what you see. And it's deciding that based on what it thinks is going to hold your attention. That needs regulation. We can't just right. let these algorithms go. We can't just let AI, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm down with AI. You know, like I, I, I'm not against it, but we need to protect and at a base level, I think we need to we need algorithmic amplification regulation, where you should not be able to. Alex Jones was yeah. recommended fifteen billion times on YouTube. Yeah, that should be regulated. You should not be able to do that. Now, I get the freedom of speech. You're not. He can still speak. We're not saying that. What we're saying is you should not have a system, an algorithm built to promote him. He can still speak. I'm not saying no, spe no freedom of speech. I'm not saying you don't have a voice. I'm saying he should not be able to game an algorithm that's going to our children and millions, hundreds of millions of kids. That should not be possible. What is it? Putting a limit on, like if something, uh, from what I understand, uh, live streaming platforms like Twitch or, or, or Facebook, they kind of have a way to see if there's an explosive amount of shares and and a certain behavior around a video it probably means it's a live fight or death or something going on and fairly not immediately unfortunately but within an hour or so they can get on there and and do something about it like are you saying that watching the behavior around a particular post if it's starting to go in a particular direction we need to look stop at stop the amplification Right. So I'm not saying stop the speech because yeah. I think we do need differing opinions. And I think that even from a scientific perspective, as you know, science is not about, does, it doesn't have the end. It just has a process that allows you to explore to get there. I don't want to stop the process of yeah. difference of opinion. What I want to stop, what I think we should stop is the amplification of, of hate, the amplification of bigotry, the yeah. attacks of women online. Like we, we, we can stop that. Catfishing. There is yeah. no, we can stop catfishing. We can really slow down image-based abuse. If, 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 if Facebook decided tomorrow, right, if it just decided tomorrow that it wanted to eliminate 80% of its hate, it could do it. It won't, but it can. And so, so that's one thing. I think the amplification regulation is important. The other thing is I think we need to repeal Section 230. The whole world changes when yeah. you take away their neutral platform. 
when you make them like a broadcaster, like Channel 10, Channel yeah. 10 cannot do whatever it wants. It's regulated. No. And Facebook has got thousands of times the reach of any network, television yeah. network on earth, but it's not regulated. So I think we need to say, okay, fine. Let's peel back Section 230. Let's not define you as a neutral platform of which you have, you know, community. Let's not do that. Oh, yeah. you'll see content regulation happening. You'll yeah. look, look at look at Myanmar, where my wife's family's from. Yeah, that whole thing, which Zuckerberg's come out admitting it now was all Facebook amplification. So just for forget people, get people across the board here. Um, I think it was called an open free or open, a basic open or something like that. It was a version of Facebook which allowed you access to like the, the lowest end entry point of like yeah, Facebook and WhatsApp and Messenger. So when people bought a handset, uh, and the, they went on the internet, but the internet was just Facebook. It was a closed garden. It was they, mm -hmm. There was no browser. They couldn't go to www.toddsampson.com. Wouldn't happen. That was the only internet they had access to was Facebook. And at the time, uh, what's the language that is spoken? Burmese. Oh, Burmese. So yes. they didn't have anybody that could speak the fucking language. All right. So Correct. No so moderators in Burmese. None at yeah. all. None at all. None at all. So all this super heavy, heavy hate speech, which horribly looked very similar to the kind of stuff that was happening before the Rwandan genocide. Like that shit that exactly. was building up into the Rwandan genocide, it was AM radio for God's sake. AM radio and yes. newspapers built up before that mm. thing dropped. Same thing happened in Myanmar and it just, by the time they figured it out, like horrible, hundreds of people dead, gen essentially active genocide, repulsive, beyond repulsive. And what they figured out, right, is that, uh, all that really happened was a military person had gone on and used the anonymity of the internet and had created this sort of, um, uh, well, kind of hate speech masked with a bit of comedy and a bit of, and then the algorithms, the algorithms, by the way, are neutral. They don't know. The algorithms went, shit, man, a lot of people are looking at this. Let's amplify it. Yeah. Wow, let's amplify it more. Oh my God, more of this. Yeah. And then suddenly, and, and and then you go, okay, well, are we that gullible that we believe what we see online? The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes, we are. We are easy to push around. We really are. Like you only have to think about how often, like think of the last time you bought something online. How many out of those times did you wake up this morning going, you know what? I really, I really need a Rick and Morty jug for my water. <laughs> you didn't when you woke up that morning. But when you were scrolling through whatever and because your phone heard you say Rick and Morty to somebody, now you're being served a Rick and Morty ad and, oh, my God, there's only 18 left. It's only 20 bucks. I can get it by tomorrow. Oh, fuck, now I've got it. You have just been manipulated. How genius is Rick and Morty? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But if, you're not so, into, so, if you're not into Rick and Morty, no, I know we're two grown men talking yeah, about cartoons. But, yeah. Rick and, but like Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman are two stories that can only, only be told through animation. It just happens yeah. to also be the language of kids' shows, but it is fucking amazing stuff. It yeah, it's, it's out there. But uh, so, Osha, uh, with all that said, right, and I tried to end the second half of the film this way. I am incredibly optimistic that we can make a difference and we can yeah. change, uh, but we have to do it now because here's my worry. My worry is we've already wasted a generation of children and we don't need to. We don't need yeah. to. I am not saying take away the internet. I'm saying let's regulate it in a way that's safer and healthier. And it's going to be yeah. iterative. It's not going to be one thing and that's going to do it. But yeah. 
these companies should not have unregulated access to our minds or the minds of our children. And, and I believe that we can still get all the things we love, the connection, isolated communities, uh, diversity, a difference of opinion. We can get all of that. We don't have to lose any of that, but we can do it in a way that's healthier for our minds. And I'd rather us do it now than look back like we did with tobacco, then look back 10 years from now and go, well, why didn't we do something then? Yeah. We've got a whole bunch of zombies that cannot look up from their phones. We can't, we can't change American laws in Australia, but we can you know, act in our own country. So what does, in Australia, what does regulation look like? Well, uh, far be it for me to know the details of what that looks like. Uh, the eSafety Commission is working on it. And, and look, they're not perfect. And it, it, it hurt me to give them such a free kick in the film. Because I'm normally so cynical of government. But yeah. in this case, I was less cynical. I was like, wow, okay, most people do not even know the eSafety Commission exists. And yeah. here is the weird part of the eSafety Commission. So uh, she was great talent. She's, she's American. She worked at Twitter. She came from the industry side. She's in Australia. She's the head of the eSafety Commission. She's the first one uh, in the world to be appointed in this role. But it, when I speak to the victims, and I spoke to a lot of victims, because as you know, the film is told through the eyes of the victims. It's not yeah. told theoretically. It's told through the eyes of the people that are living it. They're all up in arms about yeah. the safety commission. They're all like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. But my my view and the reason they're in the film and the reason I I I not showcase them, but the reason they're mentioned in the film is that if if there's one kid who is at home being cyberbullied alone, isolated in their bedroom, getting hammered day, hour mm. after hour, day after day. And if they or their parents can reach out to someone that can potentially help them. I want them to do that. And yeah. the eSafety Commission can potentially help. Uh, so I'm not certain what the details of the regulation will ultimately be, but yeah. I think they definitely has to be around Section 230 because we need to make them accountable to themselves. I don't believe in self-regulation. I don't believe in it in the advertising world either. I never have. I think we need to protect our kids from that. The yeah. same with the internet. Uh, I think amplification regulation, hugely, hugely important. And we need to look at, we need to work with these tech companies to develop. I mean, if they can create technology that links 4.6 billion people, they could figure out how to stop nudes from, I mean, the police officer had a really great idea. He said what telcos should do is they should have a, a, like a 12-hour pause on nudes. So because the majority of people, they regret nudes after they've sent them in a short period of time and they wish they could retract them, but they can't. So, yeah. you know, he, he, he had this idea of maybe we hold for a period of time, you know, and just and then release. So we're not censoring them. We're just giving them a, a grace period of which they can, you know, <laughs> unsend. Uh, if, it's if the, the old school credit credit card in the bike in the glass of water in the freezer before you yes. you know so you really have to think about it you have to wait to be literally in a cold yes. state before you use it does regulation of say for example Meta or Google in Australia uh, Google so or Alphabet which owns Google and Meta which owns Facebook and Instagram does regulation also look like listen guys we're not saying don't do it but you are a broadcaster. Yes. Case in point, there's more people watch your screen time way more than they read newspapers or way more than they watch television. Yes. All we're saying is that you uh, adhere to the standards that our community uh, all agreed upon for those broadcast mediums. That's it. Yeah. And so yep. then that's uh, verification of sources. That's not broadcasting hate speech Correct. or unverified facts. That's, you know, uh, retractions, really meaningful 
proper retractions when needed. Uh, that's community service announcements. And that is, you know, I can't turn on the television at two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon on the ABC and watch John Wick 3 because that is a no. part, of the year, part of the day that we have gone, too many kids are available. Like people could just wander in and turn the TV on. No, that shit, I only late at night. I only late at night. That's what we're doing, guys. Simple. Go for it. To do that, you have to repeal Section 230. Right. Because that what mean you're we have to put diplomatic like pressure upon America? Oh, by the way, yeah, we've got some submarines coming, but can you also, uh, like, just in case China invaders, can you please help? And can you change yeah. that law? <laughs> like, how's like that going to happen, it's, man? It's, but we need to have a serious conversation about it. Yeah. And, and, and we need to do it with a sense of urgency. And that's the reason for making the film, is yeah. uh, we're going to be a small piece a small piece of the global pressure, you know, to say change, we need change. And if more people make films, if more people talk about it, then maybe we can get a groundswell to the point where we can make a difference. And, you know, in the Omegle thing, you know, people look at that and they go, oh, well, you know, because the most devastating part of that was when we accidentally discovered the nine-year-old, you know, the, the kids, the girls, the oh, young, young girls on Omegle, right? So, okay, so people go, well, you know, they're just having fun. Fine. It might be fun for that nine-year-old, but now let's amplify that by the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of nine-year-olds, right? There might be one that's parents have just divorced. There might be one kind of starving for affection. There might be one that has maybe um, OCD or has mm. or is suffering from depression that gets on. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to be the same result. And I can no. tell you what we didn't show, we showed the sanitized version of what happened. What really happened, which we couldn't show on television, was when I went on, well, the 14-year-old playing that I was kind so, of playing. Yeah, let me, let me just quickly describe the scene. And this, this film opens like this. You have a 19-year-old actress, actress. She plays very young, but she's 19. She's brought a friend with her. She's clearly got support. She's consented. I'm sure you did a lot of pre- and post-care. She's sits in front of a camera pretending to type. She cannot see what's on the screen. You can see what's on the screen and you're typing, playing the role. And the two of you have created that. We are now 14-year-old yeah. little girl. Uh, and we are on this app, uh, this uh, website, where every time you click a new camera, you mm. get connected immediately to someone live. And, yes, and uh, we're being supervised by a police officer, a police officer who specializes in cyber crimes. This is his yes. experiment. Right. Yes. And so I'm on, I must have been five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, and I'm straight, I'm straight away being groomed. So a guy comes on and he says to me, because he basically asked me a few questions, uh, asked me where my parents were. I said, they're downstairs. My mom is downstairs. Yeah. I'm typing this. Yeah. And the young actress is facing it. And then he says, okay, get on your knees. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to get on my knees. He goes, I need you to take your top up. Get on your knees now and take your top up. And I'm like, oh, my mother's downstairs. And he's like, I don't care where your mother is. I asked you to get down and get on your knees right now. And I'm, this, I'm only five minutes on. He then starts jacking off yeah. on camera, right? So then I get really angry and I just lose my cool in that moment. And I remember the police officer put his hand on my shoulder to get me not to do it. And I just went around the front of the camera. And I said, you should be in fucking jail. And he goes, black screen? Yeah. I, I go back. As yeah. soon as I go back and sit out of the shot, He's straight back at it. And he tried and he managed to do it. He, he convinced her to move off that medium onto WhatsApp so they can get direct contact and send images. And that's normal 
on these things, this sort of transition. What do you mean managed to do it? What do you mean he managed to do? He, tried he grooms to you to off. So he says, okay, uh, can I talk to you direct? And she goes, let's move off this platform. Here's my WhatsApp account, which he set up. This literally happened to me, right? So, you know, yeah. here's my WhatsApp account. He actually, the second guy got me on Instagram. So we set up a fake Instagram account and then he connected yeah. on Instagram and he was just showing me naked shots of himself on Instagram saying, please send me yours now. Now, now, I know some people may think, oh, it's fun and games for young people, but okay, it, it is for some. But let's yeah. just play in a world where kids are spending 50, 40 to 50 hours a week online. Yeah. This normalized behavior needs to be taken, and Omega should be out of business. So if, if there was a protest against Omega, I would love that. I'd, I'd lead that because there's nothing good that comes from that. The... the- like when you think about the device that you give your kid and you know you mention it in the film like anyone who's a parent that goes i'm never going to give my kid an ipad has never been with a toddler who's missed a nap uh on a four-hour delay Qantas flight or Virgin flight whatever and you're like i just need you to not move for 10 minutes or mm. five minutes while i put some shit here and move that there and just i need you to not move for a second then you are lying because yep. every fucking body has done it. <laughs> and as you know, Everybody. that's how the film opens, right? And and it, because oh, the, the, the phone and the i the phone and the iPad has become the modern day pacifier. And yeah, even in yeah. my own family, we did it. I gave my kids devices when they were really young, just for them yeah. to play with. And I remember once I came home and I and I there were, there, my, the TV was like basically a mess, like all it was all streaks all over it. And I said to yeah. Naomi, I said, "What happened to the TV?" And she said, "Oh, Coco has been swiping it. She can't figure out why it doesn't work." Yep. Like, yeah, Wolfie does that. That's how conditioned yeah. they are now. Yeah. Yeah, now there's yeah. that very Wolfie famous video where the kid has got the magazine and the kid's doing yeah. this to the magazine. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't to, figure out why the in. magazine doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the conditioning starts so young. Now, again, there's lots we can do. And in the film, I tried to litter throughout practical tools, te- techniques. I try to get the best experts that are on the latest research about gaming yeah. addiction. I tried to get them yeah. all in one place in a kind of very short, condensed period of time. Man, you could have done a whole, you could have done a whole three hours on the QAnon mm. shit. You could have done three hours on that horrible, awful, awful, awful uh, Fortnite situation. Like you, mm. you could have done so much there. But the message is is abundantly clear. Essentially, we have allowed, you know, this vehicle into our school zones that only drives 400 kilometers an hour. And if you say, hey, can we slow that down? It's like, what? You don't like cars? No. Cars are great. But I'm just like, that's going to hurt children. Oh, you fucking party paper. Like that is, it's so intensely has to happen now. If you don't mind, I'm going to use that because that is a brilliant uh, it's analogy. True, of what, it is it's totally true though. True. Roland Girk, who was on this show, he put, works at the, uh, as a professor in the um, uh, computer engineering lab in um, the uh, University of Canberra. He has this great line, Todd. Uh, and he's from uh, former East Germany, so it's this fantastic way of speaking. But he says, um, you can go into a hardware store and buy a hammer. In fact, a child can go into a hardware store and buy a hammer. And a hammer is a really useful tool. A hammer can hang a picture. A hammer can get out a nail. If you need to, a hammer can build a house to shelter your family from a storm. A hammer is also a murder weapon. Mm-hmm. But we as a community have sat down and gone, this is the okay things to do with this tool, and these are the not okay things to do with this tool. So mm. now we've all had that chat. We're completely fine to sell it and have it available for anyone to you know, know, use because we all know how to use it and we all know what's cool and what's not cool. 
we haven't come anywhere even close to that conversation around this stuff. And don't and, let any of these companies play mental jujitsu on you and make you think <laughs> it's an either or, or no. you know, you, you got to have all of it or you get none of it, or to believe it's our fault because it's really easy yeah. to go. Parents, who, which parent lets their kid do thirty hours a week? Yeah, this parent. Yeah, you know, and I know exactly. all about this technology, and yeah. it's 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 easy to pass judgment, right? And not they're doing thirty hours; they're doing a lot of that at school anyway, with devices. And I mean, that's another thing that came up in the film, which I know the school system is not going to be happy with. But we have more devices in schools than any other OECD country in the world. Or in that wow. part, we have more in Australia. We are furthering the addiction to technology by using it so much in the school. I mean, what yeah. we should be teaching in school more of, far be it for me to know exactly what curriculums are, but boredom, teaching our yeah. kids about creativity and mind wandering yeah. and relaxing yeah. and sitting quietly and not, you know, like, anyway, there's a lot that can happen. I, I want to play one small part. If, if, if the dam against, I just, if I can be one brick that pulls out of the dam, that's yep. all I want this film to be. The point of action that you mentioned uh, earlier, to turning all your notifications off, um, you know, there's a, a, a conversation in the film about controlling the Wi-Fi in your own home. Digital detox. Yeah, don't, like, 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 like an addict, you cannot say, just stop. Um, so gradual um, um, exposure therapy, really, to less times will help. So yeah. to choose for parents, I've tried it. It was a nightmare. Say a weekend. No devices yeah. for a weekend. Yeah. But when we when we talk, we'll talk, not through devices. And yeah. then maybe extend that to two weekends a month. And it's amazing how much time we get back. I would ask this because uh, in the last year or so, many people have discovered a level of um, political uh, connection and connection to our electoral process that they otherwise wouldn't have. Many people got involved in elections uh, in their local community. Uh, considering the huge amount of uh, change that happened in our uh, House of Representatives. So people are kind of a bit more literate in communicating with their MPs. For people listening, for those who do communicate with their MPs or around them, what are some conversations they can start to have with their MPs? What are some, what are some words they can use going, look, I'm concerned about this, I want you to look into that? Yeah, I think they should filter that. I mean, I think they should go to local MPs and they should also go to esafety.com. Mm -hmm gov.au, I think. Yeah, esafety.gov.au, I should probably know that. Um, and we should be uh, petitioning our governments, our local governments, to take action on on these big tech companies. Yeah. And it's already on their agenda. It's already there. Australia is, is, is behind, but ahead of many countries. Because unfortunately, as you know, the way politics works is it is the ultimate affirmation. It is the ultimate like button. It is the ultimate, yeah. you know, yeah. follow behind what's popular. So if we can yeah. make this an issue, our politicians will be forced. If we can make it a societal agenda issue, our politicians yeah. will be forced to take action. Is it an attorney general thing? Is it a minister for communications? What is it? I think it's a minister of communications. Yeah. Right. So any kind of action step is important because, you know, it's, again, the way that politics works. If, if enough um, old school letters, faxes, and emails show up, they will have to do something about it because yes. that stuff all gets documented and mm. that can be used against them. If they go, you had 15,000 people send you a letter and you do shit, um, what are you going to do next year? Stay, keep your seat. You know, these things mm. all do make a difference. Um, yeah. So giving people something to do in the face of this 
calamitous situation we're in, um, you know, it's, it's important because we, we have to feel that we can do something. And, and luckily there is something we all can do every day, but there's also understanding there's a limit to what you can do. And yes. an upstream solution is something that we all need to push for. And, and, and with that, what we can do, what I would recommend, and I'm trying this, it's been challenging, uh, is treat our kids' online digital world like we would treat their offline world. So as yeah. parents, be involved, not as adjudicators, not as uh, people, police, but yeah. you speak to your kid about a and get them to show you what it's about. Uh, get yeah. them to talk, to take you through TikTok. They're on it for copious hours anyway get them to take you through it and show you how it works and and explain it to you because we're in a situation now where we as i'll speak of this from myself that we, we believe we know more than our kids but when it comes to the online space we don't we simply don't have the experience and so jumping into their world with them beside them because out going to your kid and saying you're not allowed to use social media works with some but very few very few. We have to be in it with them. And I try, it blows my mind. I get kind of freaked out when I'm in Coco and Jet's online world and trying to understand it. I don't follow them or anything like that. I don't do any of that, but I get them to explain and show me how it works. I mean, they followed the whole war, which is continuing on, but uh, the, the whole Ukraine war, the kids followed it on TikTok. It's all on TikTok. They're following soldiers in the front line. They're following it all on TikTok. Wow. The whole world, That's like Jet, my 13-year-old, knows more about what's going on in Ukraine from TikTok than any other media. So That's we need bonkers. to jump in that we need to jump in that world with them. Mirror, mirror, it's gonna be on channel 10 soon, and then it'll be on 10 play, which so what you do is you open up your phone and you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You watch it on the medium of which we're criticizing. Yes. Oh, we're fucked. Oh, we're so yeah. fucked. Uh you're the best ever, Todd. Don't ever stop. Thank you so much for putting so much effort into making these very, very important films and doing it in such an accessible way, man. It's really important. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Osher, and thanks for listening, everyone. That was Todd Sampson. Once you've gone back and found Todd Sampson's body hack and watched the first few episodes of Mirror Mirror, check out Mirror Mirror Love Hate. It's on the 10th of October on Network 10. If you miss it, and if you're listening to this after that, you can catch it on 10play.com.au. It's going to air over two nights. It's absolutely must-watch viewing. But, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. So what action are you going to take after hearing that? Now you know. What are you going to do? I, for one, as soon as we got off that call, I already have barely any notifications on my phone, but I guess as I've, you know, installed new apps here and there, I've, it's passed me by to go and turn the automatic notifications off. And so they're all off my phone, doesn't make anything, make no noise at all. I think I left text on just for, you know, real close members of my family and that's it. But that's just a start. There's so much more I'm going to need to do without a doubt. Yeah, take some action. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Please share it with someone who needs to hear it. Just send them a text using your fucking phone. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to do this. We are. Big thanks to the people that helped me make the show. Mike Mills, who made all the music, also known as Toe Hider. His new single is available on Bandcamp. He's amazing. Andy Ma, who cut the whole thing together. Reece Steele on research and support. Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of a lot of it. And you for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. I'll see you Wednesday. Until we speak then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.